Welcome to Living the Bible Together. This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Church, internationally headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship here online Sundays at 11 a.m. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month. Our Bible study is on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. For additional information, log on to livingthebibletogether.org. Join us here weekly as we're living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. God, we thank you yet again for another opportunity to come into your presence to hear your word. Lord, it is my prayer that you open every ear to hear and every heart to receive all that it is that you would have for us to receive. And Lord, I will be so careful to give you all the honor and all the glory and praise because I recognize, dear Lord, that it all belongs to you. And so it is in Jesus' name that I pray this prayer. Amen. This morning's text will be coming from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. I'll be reading the NIV version, and it reads as follows. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadad and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and had handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of Hoyle and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So in at the reading. 
This morning, I'm going to speak from the subject of the missing element. The missing element. And so as we look in this morning's text, we find the prophet Samuel on on an assignment from God. And as he is executing this assignment, as he is going through the process, he runs into a problem. The problem is what he's experiencing is in contrast to what God told him. In other words, what he's experiencing doesn't match what God told him. And so one might ask, well, where in the process did he run into the problem? Well, we can find that information by looking at what God said to him at the beginning of chapter one. This is where he gets his assignment from God. And so as we look at chapter 16, verse one, we, see, we find it says that the Lord said to Samuel, he says, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? It is here that we find that Samuel, the prophet Samuel, had been in a time of mourning. He was was mourning the downfall of King Saul. And during the mourning period, during his mourning time, the Lord speaks to him and gives him an assignment. So what we see here is that the Lord is calling him from a season of mourning to a season of missions. So he's sending him on a mission. He's sending him on an assignment. And that might be happening in some of our lives this morning. Some of us have been in a season of mourning where the Lord has rejected a particular situation in our life, whether it's a person or a thing. And he's calling us out of that season of mourning and he's calling us to an assignment. He's calling us to go from mourning to a mission, mourning to an assignment. And so again, he says, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him? The Lord had rejected King Saul because of his disobedience. But it's important for us to realize that although the Lord had rejected King Saul, because of his disobedience, he still is sitting in office. He is still occupying that space. He is still sitting on the throne. And so he tells him to get up. He says, to, this is where the assignment comes on. This is where he's telling him now you're, he's moving him from a time of mourning to a time of mission, to a time of going on an assignment. He tells him, he says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. It is here that he gives um, the prophet Samuel the details of his assignment. He tells him where he's going. He tells him who to go see. And he tells him that he's choosing a son from his um, out of he's choosing one of Jesse's sons to be king. And so again, he, here's the assignment he's given. He's, he's given the assignment of where to go. He's going to Bethlehem, who to see. He's going to see Jesse, and he's choosing one of his sons to be king. So he knows what group that he will be selecting this king from. And so then we move on to verse 2, and Samuel raises some concern. He's afraid because Saul is still the sitting king, and Saul, he, at this point, Saul was acting real crazy. He was doing um, crazy stuff. And he was fearful of him because he feared he feared that if Saul found out that he was um, going forward to move, if he was, he let me back up. He feared that if he got caught 
going on this assignment from God that Saul would kill him. So he raises this concern and he asks the Lord, he tells the Lord, he says, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Again, he's the sitting king. The Lord responds to his concern by giving him a safety safety strategy. He tells him, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So again, he ra- the prophet Samuel raises his concern because he's going on an assignment that he feels is dangerous. But then when he, tells, when, he ra- when he raises this concern and shares that concern with God, God gives him a, sh- a safety strategy. And the same thing can happen within our lives. There are times where the Lord is going to send us on assignments that may be scary for us. But just like the prophet Samuel, he, he shared with the Lord, he raised those concerns with the Lord and the Lord gave him a strategy. And so the same with Samuel, the same is true for us. When the Lord gives us an assignment and we feel in some type of way about it, we can voice those concerns to God and then God can give us a strategy on how to move through things. And so again, he tells him to take a heifer with you and say, I come to sacrifice. And then he provides more instructions. He says, invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what to do. You are again, he's reminding him you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Again, he has not he has not revealed the exact person that he is to um, that the Lord is calling him to anoint. He has not given a name. He has not pointed the person out. But what I like about that is even though the Lord has not indicated him exactly who it would be. Sam, it says in verse four that Samuel did what the Lord said. I think this is um, worthy of taking note that although Samuel didn't have the full details of the assignment, the Bible says that he did what the Lord said. How many of us have started on that the Lord have given us assignment, but because we felt like the Lord has left out details or didn't give us all the details that we we just get stuck. We get paralyzed. We don't want to move forward. How many of us have to have, we think we have to have all the details to move forward in what the Lord is calling us to do. But we can learn something from the prophet Samuel. He didn't have all the details. And he still did what the Lord told him to do. He moved forward with the details that he had. Trusting that God would provide the rest of the details when he got to where he needed to be. When he got to the part of the process that he needed to find out who that person was. So again, he, he did what the Lord, he did what the Lord told him to do. He arrived in Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled when they met him. Some might wonder, well, why, why are they afraid? You know, did they do something wrong? No, when the prophets of old would come to town, and prophets were known to be messengers of God. When they came to town, oftentimes they was bringing a word from God, a message from God, either a message of judgment or a message of encouragement. And so when they saw him, they, they immediately trembled because they thought they were in trouble. And see, prophets today, some prophecy, they, there is some true prophets, but there's also these prophets, these people that are calling themselves prophets, and the only thing they're doing is prophesying cars and houses and things. But the true prophets, true messengers of God, they bring either a message of judgment and or encouragement. And I'm not saying that God can't use prophets in other capacities, but I'm saying the ones that we're seeing today with all this fluff, We have to beware of those. 
And so they ask, do you come in peace? And he reassures them, yes, I came in peace. He invites them to the sacrifice. He tells them to consecrate themselves and um, come to the sacrifice with me. Then he turns and consecrates Jesse and his sons and invites them to the sacrifice. So here he's going through the process. He's already moving through the assignment. He's executing the assignment. And so um, now he's in Bethlehem. He's invited Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice. And so when Jesse and his sons arrive, he saw Eliab, which is Jesse's oldest son. And when he saw them, he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before him. And this is where the prophet Samuel makes the mistake. He's looking at the appearance of Eliab. He's looking at, he, oh, he looks king. You know, he looks kingly. He looks like he would be the one. He looks like the, the anointed one of the Lord. But the Lord quickly corrects the prophet and tells him, I have rejected him. Don't look at the outer appearance. He, he reminds him that people look at the outer appearance, but the Lord, he talks about himself. He says, I look at the heart. And so he is, re- he told the prophet Samuel, I have rejected him. And so, again, he corrects the prophet, which also helps us to understand that sometimes you can be a prophet of God or a messenger of God and not get it right. But what I liked about him is he allowed the Lord to bring forth that correction. And when he corrected him, he got on board with the program because then Jesse brought the next son. And the next son was Abinadad. And Jesse had him pass before the prophet Samuel. And the Lord said that he hasn't chosen this one either. So then Jesse brought and had the third son pass by, Shema. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So it is in right here in the text, it's in verse 10 of the text, that we find that something is not adding up. Something is wrong. And so the prophet Samuel realizes that it becomes evident that there's a missing element. There's a missing part to a whole. Again, the Bible says that Jesse caused seven of his sons to pass before Samuel and the Lord rejected every last one of them. But if we look back at the assignment, the Lord sent him to Jesse to anoint one of his sons to be king. But Jesse presented seven sons and all seven of the sons have been rejected. So there's a problem. Here's the problem. What Samuel is experiencing is in contrast to what the Lord told him. But what I like about Samuel is when it became evident that something was missing, something is not adding up. Again, it's a missing element. An element is a part of a whole. So although Jesse brought all seven of his sons and they were rejected, the prophet Samuel understood that there is a, there's a part that is missing. There's an element that is missing because this couldn't possibly be all of the sons. And so he begins to question. But notice in verse 11, he doesn't question the assignment. He doesn't question the word of God. 
He questions the evidence. He questions Jesse, the one responsible for presenting the sons. And let's take some time right there. Again, he doesn't, the prophet Samuel doesn't question God's word. And that's a word for us this morning. He understands that the word of God is true. And God says this about his word in Isaiah 55. He says, my, my word would not return unto me void, but it will do exactly what I sent for it to do. So the prophet Samuel, he didn't question God's word. And oftentimes when the Lord is sending us on assignment, and as we are moving through the process of the assignment, when we run into an obstacle or we run into things that don't look like what the Lord said, the first thing we do is we question God. Or we second guess ourselves like maybe I didn't hear God right. But here the prophet Samuel is sharing some wisdom with us. He's not questioning God, he's questioning the evidence. And so in verse 11 he says, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Again, it became evident that there was a missing element. And then Jesse responds by saying, there is still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. Hmm. So as it became evident that there's a missing element, Jesse's response is, there is still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. This allows us to understand that the missing element was intentionally excluded. Now, whether it was excluded maliciously or pure, the text does not let us know. Because sometimes we can exclude, intentionally exclude someone and we can be malicious about it where we know that we shouldn't be doing that and we do it anyway. Or it can be pure where we don't really realize that we are doing it or, or we think we're helping somebody. Again, notice that he says, they're still the youngest. He never called him by name, but he says, the youngest which could indicate that perhaps he intentionally excluded him because of his age. Maybe he didn't think that he would qualify to be king because he was too young. That's Jesse's perception. That could be his perception, how he's perceiving things. Or it could be malicious where he says he's tending the sheep and he, he's tending when someone, when young people were tending sheep, they were tending their father's sheep. So it could be malicious that he intentionally excluded him because he didn't want to lose him from serving him by tending his sheep. But whatever the case may be, it is evident that it was intentional. He intentionally excluded him. It wasn't like David was out somewhere and they couldn't find him and that's why they didn't invite him. He knew where exactly he was. He's out there tending the sheep. So again, the missing element became evident. But once it became evident, the prophet Samuel got the, he got the questioning the evidence, not God. But once it became evident, again, he starts asking questions. And then he realized that the missing element, who now we know as David, has been intentionally excluded. So the question I asked Liberty Hill 
Who have we been intentionally excluding? Whether it is maliciously or whether it's pure. Who have we intentionally excluded because of their age, their gender, their culture, their race? Who have we intentionally excluded? Because we feel like mm, they're not qualified to do this. They're too young to do this. They're a woman, they're a man, they're a boy, they're a girl. They're black, they're white, they're Asian. Or who have we intentionally excluded because we don't wanna lose them from serving us? Serving in the capacity where we benefit. Who have we intentionally excluded because they're taking care of our business? They're tending our sheep. They're making money for us. Who have we intentionally excluded? What is the missing element that we have intentionally excluded? The one who God has chosen, the thing that God has chosen, who have we intentionally excluded? But as we continue to look at the text, notice what the prophet Samuel says. Once it became evident that there was a missing element, and once he understood that it was intentionally excluded, the prophet says, send for him. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, we will not sit down until he arrives. And so what this is saying to us is that the missing element is essential to their next. Again, the prophet Samuel says, we will not sit down until he arrives, meaning that they cannot partake in the sacrificial meal until the one who was excluded is brought in. Again, the missing element is essential for them to move to move forward to what's next. And within our own lives, within our own country, within our own communities, within our own church, within our own families, the person or thing that we have intentionally excluded is essential to our next. It's essential to us moving forward into our next, whatever that next step is, whatever that next phase is, whatever that next elevation is whatever that next open door is. As long as we keep intentionally excluding the one that God has chosen or the thing that God has chosen, we will not be able to move forward to our next. Many people in this season has been wondering and asking God, what is next for me? What, what, what do I do next? What do I do next? And you're not getting anything from God. You're not hearing anything from God. You're asking, what's next? I wonder what the next move is. What's next in my season? What am I supposed to be doing now? The reason why you don't know what's next or the reason why you may know what is supposed to be next in your life and the reason why you can't move past, move into it or move forward into it is because you have intentionally excluded what God has chosen for you. I know this is a tough word right here. It's tough for those who have intentionally excluded someone. It's tough. I can feel 
in the spirit, the uncomfortableness with that. Because your mind is thinking like, who have I excluded? And some, for the ones who have intentionally excluded the ones they feel some type of way about, it's becoming uncomfortable because you really don't want that. But I'm here to serve and tell you the word of God that until you embrace the one God is choosing and bring it in, you will not be able to go forward. You will not be able to go forward. And for the ones who intentionally excluded because you felt like they're too young, it's too young or it's too soon or it's, um, I can't, this impossible, they're not qualified. Again, it's not about you. It's not about what you feel. It's not about your opinion. It's about what God wants. And God has chosen that thing. He has chosen that someone. And as long as you keep, keep them out, outside, and not bring them in, you're not going to be able to move forward. You can't get to your next. Again, they cannot sit down until he was brought in. And so Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. Again, we cannot move forward until we send for that thing that we have excluded, that thing that's on the outside, that thing that we are refusing to bring inside the church, that thing that we are refusing, that thing or someone that we are refusing to bring into the family, into the community, into that relationship, into that role. Until we bring it in, we can't move forward. And so they sent for him and they brought him, brought him in. But notice, let's, let's think about this. Notice this. Notice this about David. The text doesn't say that he tried to sneak in. It doesn't say that he tried, he boldly came in, busting in. No, he was out there serving in the role until he was sent for. How many of us can identify with David where we've been, we know we've been intentionally excluded. And we're serving in this role. We're not complaining about it or anything. We're just humbly serving in this role. But then we notice that everybody's being invited in. Everybody's being invited to the table but me, but you. But can we be like David and wait patiently until the word comes forth and you are sent for? Again, he came in when he was sent for. There's three characters here in this text. There's the prophet Samuel, there's Jesse the father, and there's David. Samuel executing his assignment. Who do we identify with? Do we identify with Samuel, Jesse, or David? Again, Samuel, he's executing his assignment. But as he's receiving the assignment, it's making him afraid, but can we, can we identify with him? Can we ask the Lord? Can we share with the Lord our concerns and then have him re give us a safety strategy to move forward? And then as we're moving forward in the process, when we run into a problem, can we like Samuel, instead of questioning God's word, we question the evidence, we question the experience? 
Can we stand on God's word? Can we believe that God's word is true and what he has said to you will come to fruition? But sometimes when you reach, when you come to a problem, you got to stand and you got to endure. You can't give up. You got to challenge the evidence. You got to challenge what has been presented. Or do we identify like Jesse? Have we intentionally excluded someone? But although we excluded someone, can we not buck against when they decide to sin for the one we excluded? Can we not get an attitude about it? Can we get with the program? Again, Samuel, he had brought, he excluded David. He brought seven of his other sons. And again, he had them pass before the prophet. That was his opinion on who he presented, who he thought should be king. And one after the other, every time he had an opinion about something, nope, rejected. One after the other. Number two, rejected. Three, rejected. Four, five, six, seven, rejected. Notice that he brought seven. And it wasn't, you know, what seven symbolizes completion. And notice, it wasn't until he got to the end of himself, to the end of his opinion, to the end of what he thought. Again, seven symbolizes completion. But the one that was chosen was eight. Eight symbolizes a new beginning. So when you get to the end of yourself, can you embrace the new beginning that God is bringing in? Again, he went through seven. And when he got to the end of it, instead of getting upset because the ones he chose wasn't the ones who made the cut, but he still, but once he realized that David was the one that they were calling for, he didn't buck against it. He embraced the new beginning. He embraced a man after God's own heart. He embraced the one who would help him, the one who would lead them, the one who God chose. Or can we identify with David where we wait patiently for our turn, we wait patiently for us to be brought in. Can we wait patiently without being resentful, without being bitterness, without being bitter? Can we wait to be brought in? And then once we are brought in, can we come in and not hold anything against those who had intentionally excluded us? Again, the missing element. But not only was David, the missing element. But I reminded how Jesus Christ was the missing element. The world was in need of a savior. At first, you know, they didn't know that they needed a savior, but then it became evident. The world was in need of a savior. But during that time, during biblical time, when Jesus pops up on the scene, he was intentionally excluded too by the religious leader. He wasn't received by all. He was intentionally excluded. But what they didn't recognize is the very one that they had excluded is the very one that was essential to salvation. But what I like about it is Jesus, he died. He was buried. 
And on the third day, he rose again with all power in his hand and he is seated on the right hand of God. But he's not done. He's coming back again. He's coming back again because he is essential to our next. And our next is eternal life with him. The missing element. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Church, where we worship virtually on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information or to contribute to this ministry, please visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. (laughs) 